Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Today I am doing another solo episode. All of January has been solo episodes, which is so fun. It's again like these voice blogs that I just get to share with you and ways to connect. The topic of today's podcast was requested from a Center in the City member. So I'm so grateful to have their feedback and inspiration to talk about the very special topic around self-talk. So today we're going to explore what is self-talk, how do we get to practice being with our self-talk, and maybe work on creating some kinder self-talk. Wouldn't that be really lovely? So let's settle in and let's get centered. You know those moments where you're brushing your teeth and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you start to hear some inner dialogue, criticize or comment on Maybe the eyebrow hairs that are growing out of place or the wrinkles that are showing up or how greasy or good the hair looks or maybe you're on a Zoom call and you're listening to somebody speak and your mind is racing to discover the thing that you want to say or to even notice that you're speaking and there's a voice inside analyzing yourself as you speak. These are all little micro moments of our self-talk, our inner dialogue. Some of us might already be conscious of this voice and some of us might not be so conscious or we might be just developing some awareness. And this voice that we all have inside of us can be filled with beautiful, positive, loving things that it says, and it can also be not so nice and very judgmental and criticizing and draining. And it can also be somewhere in between. It wasn't until my early 20s when I discovered my own inner self-talk voice There was this aha moment when I was reading a mindfulness book to recognize that my inner voice had its own personality, that I had this thing inside of me that was talking and creating stories and adding commentary, 
whether I was conscious of it or not. In the movies, we see this like angel on one side of our shoulders and the devil on the other. We see that kind of depiction of we have these internal dialogues that sometimes conflict, right? We've got this quote unquote good angel that's telling us to do the beautiful, wise, supportive thing. And then we have this like devil voice telling us to do the harmful, negative, dangerous thing, right? And this kind of internal conflict is depicted. Our self-talk goes beyond that. There's an exercise I sometimes do with my clients that we're naming the boardroom of our minds, meaning our minds tend to be this place where we're judging the experiences of the world, ourself included, and we're trying to make sense of it all. And so we all have different voices inside of us. There's not just one or two self-talk voices, I would say for most people. Some of us have that younger child. Some of us have the voices of our parents or prominent people in our life that were telling us as we were growing up, you know, do this, do that. This is right. This is wrong. We have our CEOs of our brain, we have our creative voices, we have our wise older self voices. We have so many different voices that we can discern that it's not just this devil or angel dichotomy, but really we have this whole kind of cocktail of voices that make up our inner dialogue. And depending on where we are in life or what we've been, what voice we've been giving more energy and space to, we'll let that voice maybe be the prominent voice. So it's even just a really fun example to sit down and explore like, huh, you know, if I were to visualize my mind as a boardroom, who would be sitting around the table? What are the different voices that I hear? And with my clients, we do a lot of, you know, deeper work in that exploration and also how that's affecting people showing up and and all that fun self-discovery work. But it's curious to know like, huh, who is leading and who do we want to be leading? And what do we actually want them to be saying? What's supportive for us in our life? I'm sure I've shared this on the podcast before. I know I've talked about it with my Center in the City community group, that there's this favorite saying that our mind is like a garden, our thoughts are the seeds, we can grow flowers or we can grow weeds. And that's just a, you know, poetic and I think very visual way for us to recognize that our mind is a garden, that whatever thoughts we have, these seeds that we have, whatever we water continues to grow. And so if we're watering these unhelpful thoughts and patterning, then we're going to grow that and maybe it becomes a little weedy and kind of congested and needs some landscaping support, you know, and if we get to water more of the thoughts that are wise and skillful and maybe more positive and enriching, it's like we're growing more flowers in our mind and wouldn't that be a beautiful, lovely sight? Flowers that support feeding bees and birds and just kind of continuing to nourish the world. 
Now, of course, this is an ideal vision to have. And we're not going to be able to have a garden in our mind without weeds. That's just not really life. You know, having a garden myself, you know, you would have to be out there nonstop to make sure that there's not one single weed popping up. So it's not a perfect reality. But I think it depicts this way that we can have a little bit more control of the types of thoughts that we are growing and emphasizing in our minds, in our gardens. Now, let me be clear. This is not about creating false positivity. This is not just saying, oh my God, everything is perfect and let's just pretend, you know, there's no pain or hurt in the mind or I'm never going to think a negative thought or judge myself or anybody else. Again, that's pretty hard to do, but it's about setting our intention. And when we create our intentions of how we want to be living life, then we can start to choose those mindsets. And like everything, it has an energetic ripple effect. You know, when you think of the word lemon in this moment, notice how your mind creates a vision of a lemon and your mouth starts to water as if it's already eating something sour, right? And so that just is a simple example of how we can feel our words in our bodies and how that has an impact on our actions or our inactions. So the way that we talk to ourselves, the self-talk that happens in our mind whether we're conscious or unconscious of it, really does affect how we show up in the world, the actions or the inactions that we take. One of the things I've noticed over the years is that it can be really easy to get sucked into our self-talk. It's like we don't have distance from our self-talk. It's like we become our self-talk. So one of the really helpful aspects of creating some space between us and the voices that we hear, the self-talk that we hear in our minds, again, this inner voice, this inner monologue, is that we create self-observation. Instead of it becoming self-talk where we're like wrapped in it, can we see it as self-observation? So I like to tell my clients, like, can we zoom up and out and see our experience from this bird's eye view? Can we be an observer? And in order to create this lens of observer so we can get the space from the monologue of our minds is by creating our mindfulness practice. This is such a helpful way for us to come to the present moment, to be grounded in reality of what's happening in this moment and to see it occurring, but not be it, right? Can we see the thoughts happening? Can we see the emotions rising? Can we notice sensation and know that we are not our thoughts? We are not our emotions. We are not our sensations. They are just moving through our present moment experience. So it's the sense of self-observation. Can we just see it all unfolding? And this sounds so simple, but yet it's such a profound shift. 
and creating that sense of spaciousness gets to happen when we strengthen our mindfulness muscles. Because when we are in a meditation practice, we train the mind over and over and over again to notice when it wanders, when it wanders off into rumination, to planning, to judgments, to future dream storming. We get to notice where the mind goes and bring it back and continue to bring it back and bring it back. And eventually, the more we do this practice, what people tend to experience is a sense of spaciousness between the thoughts. So our thoughts slow down and we start to recognize that we have choice, that we don't have to jump on that thought train that is just popping up, that we can just kind of see it like a cloud in the sky arriving, floating, and leaving. And so when we can practice self-observation, we get to again just see those thoughts as arriving, maybe lingering, and leaving. And so the zooming up and out gives us so much more perspective because we start to realize that we're not at the mercy of our self-talk and our inner dialogue. When we can practice self-observation, creating the sense of spaciousness, we then can have an ability to get more curious and kind. When we see something unfolding, we can look at it like, oh, hello there. What are you here to teach me? And this is the practice of mindfulness when we can look at the present moment with this lens of curiosity and kindness. We're releasing judgment and we're allowing the moment to unfold as a curious creature. You know, I think sometimes we can be so conditioned to observe the moment through such a critical negative lens or maybe through a lens of super rose colored glasses very optimistic and none of those are bad or good again not to create judgment but we kind of box it in and so when we can have the sense of curiosity and kindness there's a sense of just befriending the moment befriending our thoughts befriending our emotions befriending our sensations so we're getting to know it we're not prejudging it we're not looking at everything as if it's good or everything as if it's bad we're getting to understand it and this is really insightful because from this curious kind lens we're able to collect information that then supports us taking wise action. So circling this back to this inner dialogue, our self-talk, right? When we can notice the thoughts arise, can we get curious like, huh, you know, why am I looking at the mirror judging my wrinkles? Like what is, what's underneath that? Why do I feel this need to pull my body apart? 
What am I really concerned about? What judgments do I have? Like, why do I think wrinkles are bad? Is that really what I think? Or is that what society is telling me I should think? Right? So we get to be curious about the layers and where this self-talk and dialogue is coming from. And so having that sense of observing the thoughts like, oh yeah, my mind is thinking right now, right? Self-observation, my mind is thinking, my mind is judging. And maybe even try not saying my mind, but the mind, right? So you know it's not you, it's just the mind creating thoughts. And yet we take our thoughts so personally. I know I do. And I've been studying and teaching this work for over a decade, right? We take our thoughts so seriously. And so recognizing our thoughts, when we can bring more awareness to how judgmental or critical or fearful the thoughts in the mind are, the more we can have the sense of inquiry and spaciousness that gets to just gently challenge them and really get to the bottom of how true is this thought? You know, do I want to hold on to this seed that we've planted in the mind? Do I want to keep watering it? Or do I want to choose something else? And can we practice within that accepting that that thought is there, but that we don't have to just because it's there doesn't mean we have to hold on to it. It doesn't mean we have to water it. It doesn't mean we have to keep nurturing it. And a really powerful practice that takes a lot of work and intentionality, and I say that because I've been working on it for years and I don't, again, think there's ever a destination or a grade you get. It's a practice, like learning how to talk kindly and let that be the music that's in the mind. Letting each person that's around the boardroom have something kinder to say or the tone be kinder right when we think about a boardroom we typically think like there's intensity and there's harshness and there's reality right but can that boardroom have a softer gentle clearer kinder curious tone and space and that doesn't mean our boardroom is weak or stupid or not going to progress in the world it's quite the contrary like when we can be kind to our inner dialogues it gives us so much more capacity it's like we have more energy within our systems we feel more capable we've increased confidence and self-esteem this is based off of research by Dr. Kristen Neff and Chris Germer, who have created a whole field around mindfulness, self-compassion work, and learning to intentionally practice saying nice things to ourselves is a practice, especially depending on how you grew up, you know, or the words that you hear most often from the people in your world, whether it's personal or professional. It's really hard to not let the outside world be what's on the inside. 
But again, with this mindful awareness, we get to have some more observation and self-inquiry and then be able to choose. And so practicing filling our mind, filling our gardens with beautiful, helpful, nourishing seeds is the practice. So saying words to ourselves like, wow, you did a great job. Or wow, you're trying your best. Or it didn't work out as well as you hoped, but that's okay. You tried your best. Your skin is glowing and beautiful with the wrinkles. You know, recently I've noticed I've had some self-talk with my gray hair that's showing up. I'm in disbelief that I have so much gray hair. Like, what? When did this happen? I didn't think this was going to happen so soon type of delusional reality I'm in. And it's not that I'm my self-talk is negative and, you know, shitting on my gray hair and shitting on my body for creating gray hair. But I'm actually noticing that there's like an avoidance of accepting that it's here. And so practicing, I've been recently practicing in the mirror, like looking at my gray hair and saying, thank you for being here. You know, this is me aging with grace. And who knows what my hair will look like as the grays start to slowly take over. But just starting to like embrace all of those internal and external things that we see with such a critical lens and have a lot more acceptance and be able to choose how we want to be in relation to them like that is powerful I have a mentor meditation teacher who used to model to me around self-compassion and she'd say like oh sweetheart you don't need to worry about that And just her beautiful, gentle voice and saying, oh, sweetheart, was so loving to hear. And so I really tried practicing that and saying those words to myself like, oh, sweetheart, it felt weird. It didn't resonate. It felt a little, um, not fake, but just like I noticed I was judging myself for for using that word sweetheart because that's not a word I typically use in my love languages or have received in my love languages. So I keep practicing with it, not to force something, but because I notice like it really feels good in my heart to hear it. And so I notice like it's, it's nourishing to my system and I'm just continually, you know, creating that softer, kinder tone because I can so easily get really harsh and critical. And that's that's part of the practice. You know, I don't think there's ever a light switch that we just get to say like self-talk positive on, self-talk positive off, right? We get to, this is again where a mindfulness practice helps us discerning what kind of inner dialogue are we having? What kind of inner monologue are we having? I also think journaling can be a really powerful practice in helping us see the words that we hear in our head. You know, depending on what kind of learner we are, we might just process differently. And so if we're having a hard time kind of listening to the monologue of our self-talk, 
can be really helpful to write it out and notice what we hear when we actually read it back to ourselves out loud. Like, ooh, does that feel like harsh in the body? Does that feel loving? Does that feel somewhere in between? And that can also give us a lot of insight to what's the tone and how can we bring some self-observation, right? Create some space from ourselves, from that dialogue and start to choose differently. So just taking a moment to pause and breathe and creating some space in this moment to just notice what's happening in the mind as you're hearing this podcast. Like what's coming up for you? Can you notice the thoughts? Can you label them? Can you notice the tone, the texture? And just allow that to be information, you know, accepting whatever is here, not making it right, wrong, good or bad. And I just welcome you to continue to play with exploring this inner dialogue of the mind, how to create a maybe more positive or connected or aware, conscious relationship with our inner dialogue. And of course, if you are somebody who's really struggling with their inner dialogue, I welcome you to seek support, whether it's working with a therapist, psychiatrist, whether that's working with a coach, if that's appropriate, but just to know you're not alone. And there's many ways and tools that you can work with the thoughts in the mind how to skillfully be with them and allow them to create a beautiful garden in the mind. And again, once we have this garden, it's not just like it magically stays that way. <laughs> of course not. Just like a garden in real life, it takes it takes work, it takes constant effort. And it's never there, you know, even when everything's bloomed, right? It continues to have its own cycles. So I hope you found this episode and exploration helpful and supportive. Let me know your takeaways. Find me on Instagram at one way, direct message me. I love hearing from all of you. And if you have future requests on other podcast episodes you'd like to hear about, share with me in the podcast survey that is attached to the show notes. I love and appreciate hearing your feedback and requests. Until next time, stay safe.